Welcome to the Guardians of Grace podcast. Relax, you have found the right place. We're here to serve. Join us, holding to pure grace. Again, relax, join in with us. Listen on, be blessed. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Guardians of Grace podcast. My name is Bill, and I'm having some awesome fellowship with my good buddy, Grace Guard Dog Steve. Just realized it's time to podcast. Yeah, yeah, time got away from us. We were having a good time just going over scriptures and tripping out. That was fun, Bill. That was fun. I liked it. I learned more in the last 20 minutes than yeah. I probably learned the first three years of attending church every Sunday. Isn't that the truth? Isn't that the truth? A little bit of revelation goes a, a long way. It's a good thing. It's a beautiful thing. And we were going to continue the theme of our podcast, but I was I was telling Steve, we're going through the book of Hebrews is what we're doing and I missed a couple weeks, but we landed in Hebrews 6, and it all came back to me because you, of... You missed a couple weeks, and you're already in Hebrews 6? Well, I, I think I was there. Be, wouldn't you still be in Hebrews 1 after a couple weeks? You should be. That, that is one loaded book. Yeah, six years is rushing it. Now, in a positive way, you could camp and... Hebrews, and yeah. nothing gets old. Nothing gets old. But it did bring up an old memory. It did? Yeah, and as soon as I uh, tell you about it, I touched base on it, but you'll remember we we had a friend he was, he was a Jewish believer. Oh, I know. So that's what we're on, huh? Hebrews chapter 6? Yep. Yeah. Okay, I can give testimony. I had a friend back in the early 80s. His name, I'll I'll give him, his name was Big J. And he resigned from a a ministry that he was with, which was called Jews for Jesus. He resigned from it because he thought he lost his salvation because he told himself that he was going to write a check to pay his student loan. And then he used that money to pay for his car loan instead. And he thought that he had fallen away and it was impossible to renew him again that he had lost it forever and he quit being a Christian. He he quit doing anything for God and just became secular and felt condemned that his whole life was condemned. So he couldn't be a disciple of Christ and spread the word around anywhere. So all that stopped, but he stopped living a life that was beautiful and went to this dark, dark, dark place because he had thought he had 
fallen away. That's what Hebrews 6 said. You have fallen away. And he thought he fell away and there was no bringing him back, that he was gone. His, his path was condemnation for the big J. And, and the sad thing was right there in the same passage, one sentence away, he says what we were trying to say. He says, even though we speak like this, we're persuaded of better things, things that accompany salvation. I should actually read the passage so we know what we're talking about. Huh? Read where he tripped up and the, the better things. Yes. Okay. So Big J lost it when he read this passage. For in case of those who have once been enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and have been made partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the power of the coming ages and then falls away, it's impossible to renew him to repentance again since that person crucifies to themselves the Son of God and puts Jesus to open shame. That's what he thought he did, and he thought there was no repentance for him. He had crossed the line, and it came out that since he fell by that scripture, I have known dozens and dozens and dozens that fell away from being Christians because of this scripture or a bad interpretation of this scripture. So it's, what we couldn't get him to read was the next sentence. Isn't it even though we speak this way? Yes. Let, let's just read the, the very next sentence. The Which one, he wouldn't read it. It says, For ground that drinks the rain which often falls on it and bring forth red vegetation useful to those who sake it was tilled receives a blessing from God. Boy, I read that bad. It's in my eye. My eye's not working today. I'm sorry, you guys. It's just not working. One of the worst I, readings I've ever heard. Yeah. Keep I've, going. I've, I've got this form of blindness, and today it's, it's acting up, I guess. Okay. Brings forth vegetation useful for those who say it was till. It receives a blessing from God. But if it yields thorns and thistles, it is worthless and close to being cursed, and it ends up being burned. But, beloved, we're convinced of better things concerning you, things that go with salvation, though we are speaking this way. So let that register first. Better things, things that accompany salvation, that he's confident of, that he's 
wishful thinking or confident of? Confident. Convinced. Better things. Better things. And he says, even though we speak like this, we are confident of better things that accompany salvation. Confident of better things is actually persuaded of better things. And we get out of that word persuasion, our, we also get our word for faith. And what's the best news, persuaded is not something that you study and come up with. It's actually a passive voice. You're being persuaded by the Holy Spirit is it's you, happening to you you're not causing it to happen at all that's why he has some such confidence that he says but I'm persuaded of better things and that, that word better is another word we got to look into but before we get even to that we have we got a few terms of art that we have to define we got to because persuade and better are, are two really their terms of art that need to be uh, examine. Uh, in other words, we're talking about this new covenant, and a covenant is literally a contract, and in the beginning of the contract, they make up what is known as a list of the terms of art that go with that contract, that go with this covenant that we're under. And in the passage we just looked at, I count five or six legitimate terms of art there. I'm going to name them and just to keep going, although I said I won't keep going. Here I go again. <laughs> here I you go mentioned again. There, there's two covenants being compared and contrasted throughout the whole book of Hebrews because this is at a time when we're moving from the old covenant and into the new covenant. And the Hebrew people, they're much like us. We don't get things right away. They were actually going, in Hebrews 10, they were going to the Day of Atonement and saying that they believed in the once-for-all sacrifice of Christ while at simultaneously carrying a little lamb to sacrifice under their or Being double-minded. Double-minded. What is a double-minded man? He's unstable in all his ways. Well, there's a lot of instability when you mix the two covenants. But before we get to that, we still got to do these, I don't know, I counted six or seven. There was... You what name is, them and I'll, I'll, I'll do them. Okay. We got to define what does falling away mean. Yes, falling away is a term of art, and we'll get to it. It's defined in Galatians chapter 5. It'll tell us what the new covenant idea of falling away means. It doesn't mean what you think. It doesn't mean what my friend Big J meant. He thought falling away meant he was condemned to hell. But Galatians tells us what falling away means. We got to look up what ground that is cursed means. Yes, and the ground is another synonymous way of saying the flesh. All through the New Testament, through the Gospels, Jesus kept saying the good tree, the bad tree, the good sheep, the bad sheep, 
he kept laying down this foundation of different synonyms for the flesh and the spirit. He said, a good man out of the treasures of his heart brings forth what is good, and a bad man brings forth treasures out of his heart what is bad. Well, you know from Romans 3 that there's none good, no, not one. So we're not speaking about John being good and Joe being bad. We are talking about humanity being bad, humanity being the bad tree or the bad person who brings forth bad things as opposed to the good person who Jesus said, you know, only God is good. Jesus or God was the good person that brings forth treasure. See, we're talking about when we use the word ground, we are using another synonym for flesh and spirit. That's how the Bible would describe, define ground for us. And the Hebrew word for ground is Adam. <laughs> oh my gosh, are you kidding me? It is. The word that's used ground there is Adam. In the Hebrew, yeah. it's. A, oh, okay, in the Hebrew. In okay. the Hebrew, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Not in the book of Hebrews. Okay, okay, okay. If you wish to retract that laughter. <laughs> <laughs> No, but we're talking about an endemic nature. Yes. We need to define what... That ground, there's good ground and there's bad ground. We need to define in Adam and in Christ. Christ. That's in good ground or in bad ground. In the spirit or in the flesh. In good ground or in bad ground. You mentioned thorns and thistles. That has a meaning to it. Yes, yes. And that is mentioned or defined in John chapter 3 where John the Baptist is telling the Pharisees, the people who tried to live the Christian life the hardest and worked at it the most, he defined to them what thorns and thistles were and what bad ground was in what Jesus was going to do with those. And we're going to look at them. We're going to look at them because they'll shed a huge light on this passage that we're looking at. And two more. This one's a biggie. It says better things. And we counted, gosh, At least five or six of these better yes. things, better promises, better covenant. Where was that? In, I, in, I in Ephesians chapter one, it actually shed some light what some of the better things are. And a lot of it's got to do with the inheritance that we receive. The inheritance that we receive during our life. The, the times that Jesus uses us and his power flows through us or the inheritance that we receive at the end of days when our works either burn up or produce gold and costly silver. Silver, gold, and costly stone. 
those are better than wood, hay, and stubble. So there's many different sense in which this word better applies in the new covenant. Notice I, I said sense in which. There's many different senses in which a word is used in the new covenant. We have I'll to be mindful of that. I'll do better than innocence. I think it means exactly. Okay, okay, good deal. I'll start with the last one. Okay. Better, right? Mm-hmm. Hebrews 1.4, better than the angels. The covenant was given by God himself. Yes. Not mediated by angels. It's a better ministry. 7.7. 7. It's a better hope. 7.19. Hebrews 7.19. Hebrews 7.19. Hebrews 7.22. It's a better covenant. Hebrews 8.6. Better covenant and better promises. Hebrews 9.23. It was based on better sacrifices. That means a lot when you get to Hebrews 10. Because it's a one sacrifice for all sin. Yeah. Like we were just saying, the guy that brings a lamb to the Day mm-hmm. of Atonement and says he believes in the once it's for all sacrifices, right. not really convinced. No, he's not. He's wavering. Mm-hmm. He shortened that stock. It's better sacrifice. It's better substance, better possessions, better country, better resurrection, better better than the sacrifice of Abel. I think there was what, 14 or 15 better, 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 mm-hmm. better, better, mm-hmm. better, better, mm-hmm. better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The new covenant is better than the old, the old covenant. covenant. Right. And, and the a, new covenant doesn't have fearful, there's not a fearful expectation in the better covenant. No, there isn't. In no, the old covenant, there's a fearful expectation. expectation. Because you have to do your part. You mentioned earlier contract and covenant. Mm-hmm. And the first covenant really mm-hmm. was like a contract. If mm-hmm. you did this, mm-hmm. God would do this. Yes. If you paid your student loan, God would bless you. Yes. That's old covenant thinking. Theology. Yeah. If, if you didn't pay your student loan... Was that what Big J was guilty of? Yeah, that's what he thought caused him to have fallen away and never being able to be renewed to repentance. That little phrase right there. And we tried to tell him about the, we're confident of better things, things that accompany salvation. Yes, yes. And when you see that this whole New Testament is talking about this new covenant and the new covenant lingo that it uses in the direction of the new covenant and how it tells you to use the spirit and not use your own human determination it tells you to use the spirit and use grace and not 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 use the law In Hebrews right here, we're talking about the difference between the new covenant and the law covenant. And it says in the old covenant, falling away would mean you were condemned. You did not obey the law. What does it mean in the new covenant? I told you that Galatians 5 
tells us what the new covenant term of art for falling away is, and we should go to it now. Okay, Galatians 5.1, it was for freedom that Christ set you free, therefore keep standing firm and don't let yourself be subject again to a yoke of slavery. I, Paul, say to you, if you receive circumcision, Christ will be of no benefit to you. I testify again, everyone who receives circumcision, that he is under obligation to keep the whole law because you have been severed from Christ you who are seeking to be justified by law and you have fallen from grace for we through the spirit by faith are waiting for the hope of righteousness the hope of righteousness is jesus christ that we hope for you have fallen from grace when you quit hoping on jesus christ you have fallen from grace back to the law you have been severed from Christ, and now you're back in the flesh. You have fallen from grace back to the law where sin is your master. Remember, sin will not be your master because you're not under law but under grace. Well, when you fell back to law, you lost it in regard to sin being the source of performance for you, and you have fallen from grace and that is the way in which the new covenant uses this word as opposed to the way I always thought the word was used I thought it was you have fallen into condemnation and you're going to hell just like Jordan thought I had to have it explained to me that that's not at all the way fallen from grace is being used in that passage he thought it was admirable almost. So, so mm-hmm. let's look at that. He, he yeah. says he's warning them not to allow themselves to be circumcised because if you allow yourself to be circumcised, circumcised was like signing the contract for the old covenant. I, I, I'm committed to setting my flesh aside and, and by sheer human effort keeping the old covenant covenant I will do I will keep the whole law so he says you who allow yourself to be circumcised you who sign up to keep the law through human effort through performance it says you've fallen from grace you can't be under both covenants at the same time someone that was is is a double minded person unstable in all his ways double covenanted yes so So, to fall away means by definition it means to go back to to, the first covenant yeah and just see if it doesn't fit that way in in hebrews tell us if hebrews isn't using the new covenant lingo to show us what fall away means that was one of our better words in other words, Bill, in better words, Bill, when better he words. is talking about 
in when he starts off in in verse four in the case of those who once have been enlightened term of art partakers of the holy spirit new covenant term of art have tasted the good word of god and the powers of the age to come and have fallen away another new covenant term of art those are four new covenant terms of art and the first ones are all saying if you have received and began to rely on the holy spirit it says that in three or four different ways if you have begun to receive it begun to rely on the holy spirit and then fallen away it's the same thing as galatians saying are you so foolish after beginning with the spirit are you now going to try and attain the goal of the christian life by human effort by falling away it's all saying the same thing if you understand the new covenant lingo it's exactly the same thing guard dog steve but in the case of galatians it's a little different because galatians is mainly gentiles wanting to keep the law hebrews is talking to a a group of people that lived under the law and are now supposed to live by the new covenant and it's it was actually possible then to live under both covenants at the same time and that's what this warning was about if you remember the veil was torn in two but they put it back together and they they started offering sacrifices again that's what hebrews 10 is about so a person that is double-minded can actually try and live by both covenants at the same time, but he will only have a fearful expectation. Does that make sense? A fearful expectation of judgment because he is not depending on the one sacrifice for all time to have purified him in God's eyes. He has a fearful expectation of being condemned and sent to hell it's not a valid fearful expectation it's not real it borders on being insane and we can't really even live under that expectation because we're we don't we can't go to the temple and offer sacrifices what i'm trying to say is the new covenant is on better sacrifices that's the once for all sacrifice of the Lamb of God. For a all. better sacrifice. A better sacrifice once for all the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Never to have to do again. So to fall away is to actually keep offering sacrifices, sacrifices. for sin. That sounds like you don't believe. It, it's not You're believing. Not convinced. It. Yeah, it's it's a either or. Either you believe in the fact that you need to make sacrifices for everything you do, or you believe in the one sacrifice and you don't have to make sacrifices. Okay, this is hard to explain, so bear with me. He says, I'm persuaded of better things, things that accompany salvation, this new covenant salvation. I'm persuaded of better things. Now this word persuasion is actually a passive voice, meaning you're not thinking this through. It's 
being you're being convinced of it by a, a different force. You're passively being convinced that this is better sacrifices. So when a person offers old covenant sacrifices like they were doing, let me put it that way, because they don't believe that the one sacrifice was sufficient, by them offering other sacrifices, here's what I'm trying to say. It doesn't negate the one sacrifice with their unbelief. Their unbelief doesn't make it not true. Exactly. Except what does it? That's what he's convinced of. Does it bring a fearful expectation, though? Not believing what he's convinced of does bring a fearful expectation, but he is saying even though you have the fearful expectation, I'm convinced of better things, things that accompany salvation. It's like a little kid that he believes in the boogeyman. He's scared to death. His mom says there is no boogeyman, but he's scared to death. This is a boogeyman phrase. He's a, it, it is a, a boogeyman phrase. He, to have a fearful expectation is not to believe the once-for-all sacrifice of the better sacrifice of the better covenant by the better priest the good news the good news believe not believing it doesn't make it not true that's what i'm trying to say exactly you're saying it well but not believing it carries a fearful expectation yes in your day-to-day experience and it's a false expectation absolutely insane to believe it. It's what insane people believe. And God hates me and I'm going... The, 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 the sanitariums are full of people that believe that exact same thing. They sit there in those places thinking one thought over and over, uh, God doesn't love me, God doesn't love me, God doesn't love me, and they're absolutely insane. Yes, in their mind, they're believing that there remains no more sacrifice. They're reading that. There remains no more sacrifice, and they're reading it as if that's a bad thing. Why is there no more sacrifice? Is that a bad thing? Because no more sacrifice is needed. It's already been taken care of. That's what Jesus did on the cross. One sacrifice for all sin for all time. Means there does not need to be another sacrifice. And no fearful expectation is needed. So for these Hebrews to be going back to the temple and offering sacrifices is, you're right, it's insane. Mm -hmm. They haven't been convinced Mm -hmm. that the one sacrifice was enough. And they're being driven by a false fearful expectation. Yes, exactly, Bill. Okay, on to the next term of art, let's say, or reading Hebrews 6 a little further. It says, they've tasted the age to come, then have fallen away. It's impossible to renew them again to repentance since they again crucify to themselves the Son of God and put him to open shame. For the ground that drinks the rain, which is often falls upon it, brings forth vegetation useful 
for those who say it has been tilled and they receive a blessing from God. He says, this is the reason the idea of an impossible repentance is ludicrous. It says, for the ground that drinks the rain which often falls upon it brings forth vegetation and then there's a bad ground that doesn't and the bad ground is burned. He's saying the reason there's no repentance for that person is because there's two natures and one nature is good ground and the other nature is bad ground. In the nature that produces thorns and thistles is burned up and it never produces good fruit and it never produces good fruit that's why it's burned up and that's exactly what John the Baptist said to the Pharisees in Matthew chapter 3 the people who are trying the hardest to do a good job he says to them and I'll read it to you Matthew 3, starting in verse 7. But when he saw the Pharisees and the Sadducees coming for baptism, he said, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? We'll deal with that wrath to come. Therefore, bring forth fruit, in keeping with repentance. Repentance from what? Do not suppose you can say to yourself, we have Abraham as our father, for I say to you that God is able to raise up from these stone children from Abraham. The reason you want to repent is because the axe is already laid at the root of the trees. That's this ground that produces thorns and thistles. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown in the fire. As for me, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me, who is mightier than me, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hands, and he will thoroughly clear the threshing floor. He will gather his wheat into the barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. He says to the Pharisees, he burns up the flesh with unquenchable fire fire. That's what happens to the flesh, to the human effort. It gets burned up. It is the bad tree that John the Baptist is talking about or the bad ground that John the Baptist is talking about. They're all synonymous metaphors for the idea of what is done through you in the spirit makes it. Yes. What is done in the flesh endures the wrath of God or, or the fire that burns and tests everybody's good works. Matt, John the Baptist is actually setting 
the parameters for this new covenant judgment. He's the first one to talk to us about the new covenant judgment and what happens to those who do not believe in the sacrifice, the one-time sacrifice for everybody and believe that they have to keep trying hard to live the Christian life and please God and they have to make sacrifices for themselves. Those people, their works burn up. So that's what he's telling them to repent of, this idea that human effort, that works done in the flesh, that works done by your best effort can actually get the job done and please God. And he was he was telling that to the Pharisees. Those were the people who were, doing who were the just best. trying so hard. It's just unbelievable how they dedicated their entire life to just trying to do the will of God and please him. And, and John were, the Baptist was actually telling them, you guys, don't you realize repent because your righteousness is as a filthy rag to God. He's going to throw it away. Your best. He's going to throw it away and burn it. It bears no fruit. The fruit is the fruit of the Spirit, not the fruit of the flesh. That's what he's telling them to repent of, to change their mind about. What you're doing so hard in your human effort is never going to. And just watch and see how this thought doesn't originate here. It's been said and spoken about all through the old covenant just like in the passage bill wants to look at well i'm quoting from jeremiah 17 i'll start in verse 5 i'll just make it condense the lord says i will put a curse on people john the baptist just talked about Cursed ground. Hebrews just talked about a curse, right? Mine says all mankind. All mankind. Let me read it again. Mm-hmm. Jeremiah 17, 5. The Lord says, I will put a curse on all people who trust, put confidence, rely on, depend on mere human beings who depend on mere flesh. Human effort. Can you maybe read that in another version? Is there another version? Well, let me read it through okay. 5 and 6. And okay. Then I'll, maybe I'll read it in my version. I might pull out the King James. Yeah. Okay. Jeremiah 17, 5 and 6, without interruption. The Lord says, I will put a curse on all people who trust in mere human beings who depend on mere flesh and blood for their strength and whose hearts have turned away from the Lord. Wasn't that the warning? Mm-hmm. I said Falling I, away. I said I wouldn't stop it, yet I did. Mm-hmm. They will be like a shrub in the desert. Doesn't that sound like what John the Baptist just said? No, it, it's exactly what John the Baptist said. They will not experience good things even when they happen. It will be as though they were growing in the desert in a salt land where no one can live. There's no life there. Yes. And then it goes on to say the others who trust in God will be like a plant planted by the water that bears all kinds of fruit. And it's, it's season, yes. The same thing, flesh and spirit. The one who trusts himself is like a bush that's 
put out in ground that only produces thorns and thistles and those who trust in the spirit of God are like a tree planted in ground that is fertile and bears good fruit and is not in danger of being burned. Doesn't that sound like the the curse in Genesis three seventeen? Remember he says people that trust in themselves, yeah. who put confidence in themselves, who want to keep the covenant that in their own human effort. Can you read Genesis three seventeen? Then to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree about which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life, both thorns and thistles it shall grow for you you shall eat the plants of the field by the sweat of your face you shall eat till you return from to the ground he's saying the ground that human effort cultivates thorns and thistles Hebrews just said the same thing it's been in other words from genesis to hebrews it's always been telling you this message and how we can possibly take it to mean we have no eternal security when it's telling us about a new covenant by which we use the spirit and not the knowledge of the tree of good and evil of our own human performance we use the spirit's performance and not the performance of the tree, the bad tree that can't produce anything but thorns and thistles. Use the Spirit, please, you guys. Just use the Spirit, please. Do me a favor and try and live the Christian life via the Holy Spirit because that is what Hebrews 6 is actually telling you through all the terms of art and all the different lingo that is used in Hebrews 6, once you understand what it's actually trying to say and how it's giving the new covenant message, just like it was in Genesis and just like it was in Jeremiah, it is all saying the exact same thing. Didn't it say the the fruit will be thorns and thistles? Jeremiah, the fruit will be thorns and thistles. John the Baptist, your fruit will be thorns and thistles. Hebrews, your fruit will be thorns and thistles. Because why? Because it wasn't done in the Spirit. The Spirit produces fruit. Remember, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, self-control. Well, it's the Spirit that produces the fruit. This Bible has been telling you that from page 1 to the end of the book of Revelation and we can even show you where that is totally talking about let the flesh be the flesh and let the spirit be the spirit someday we'll do a podcast on that and also the fearful expectation was the same in in Jeremiah was the same in Hebrews 6 a fearful expectation 
And what was Adam's answer when he said, where are you? I was afraid. I was afraid. Fearful expectation. And what did God say to him? Who told you that? You were naked. Who you were lied you? to. You were lied to. You were lied to that you thought you could bear your own fruit in human effort. Because it always produces thorns and thistles, and it always comes with a fearful expectation of judgment. It is like the law of gravity. It always does the same thing. It's literally a law of dynamics. And we saw it in our friend, Big J. You, you use human effort. You see that it's a disaster, and you feel condemned over and over as a failure. You failed once again. But if you let God, who lives in you for a reason, if you let him do for you what you can't do for yourself, you're running on track. And that's exactly what Hebrews 6 is trying to tell you. If you can just get the lingo right, it's telling you the same gospel message that I've made a new covenant with you and you're not under the old covenant. And you're under a new covenant where you let the Spirit do for you what you can't do for yourself and give the Spirit that credit that the yes. Spirit deserves and store up treasures in heaven. It's a real simple three-part covenant. Simple. I don't know why it's so overlooked, but in Hebrews 6, that's exactly what it's talking about. So please let me... Do you want me to close in prayer? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Father God, allow us to see. Give us eyes to see in a mind that understands what the words in Hebrews 6 are trying to tell us. They're, they're not trying. They're just saying it. But we're trying to interpret it right. We're trying to understand it. And we need the mind of Christ to do that. That's why I'm praying, Lord, give us the eyes to see and the ears to hear and the mind to understand. Because without it, we just read this on the surface and think, well, that's it. I've, I, I lost the game. I, I'm, I'm out. I'm done. I'm done. Finito. Not at all, man. That misses the whole beauty of the new covenant message that's contained in Hebrews 6. Because it said, let's go away from all that old covenant garbage about repentance from dead works, trying real hard and failing, and then repenting and trying real hard and failing over and over and repenting over and over. Let's leave that behind and go on towards maturity. That's what he wants. And they do go on to mature, towards maturity all throughout Hebrews 6. Lord, help them understand what your book is saying, Lord, because it takes your Holy Spirit to get it. It can't be yes. intellectually discerned. You can't find the amount of verses that show you and define the terms that are being used. It takes the Holy Spirit to guide us into all truth. It takes the Holy Spirit to remember all the things that Jesus said throughout the scriptures. That Holy Spirit that is our teacher and anointing that 
teaches us all things and it teaches us what? To remain. To remain in Christ. Father, allow that to be an anchor for everybody who is listening to this podcast. I pray. I pray, Lord. I really mean it. I, I pray for them. We love you guys. We love you guys. We love you guys. Good night. Stay abiding. Abide in him. Abide in him.